of our section here of Haskalah. And we're, we're in the process of discussing um, how it is that when how Hashem set up the world and essentially where we're going with this is how when we are going to do something that is inappropriate, we are changing the whole, uh, the whole story, so to speak. Okay, so where are we? Okay, so we have got down to, I should really put a little mark every day yes. where we get to. Come on, Shikasu. Okay, it says like this. According to the day So, Bichlal, there's a whole argument which I'm not going to get into right now. Is uh, is the or pashut or is the or have a tzior to it. We started talking about this yesterday a little bit. Right? So according to the, the concept that the or is pashit, right, then for sure the kalim are the things that are making the hagbala. However, <coughs> according to the opinion that the oiris also have eser spheros, but even like we talked about yesterday, the opinion that the or has its seer to it, has a, a certain image to it, right? You have to say that the kalim are still the ones that are making the distinction. This is the example that we gave yesterday. That a person has koichas and nefesh. Even before they go into specific evarim. However, at that point, before they go into the nose, the eyes, the ears, etc., etc., you have to say that they are spiritual kaychas. And they're completely separated from the concept of being physical in an absolute way. And through them becoming enclosed within the Evarim, then they become physical. In order to do the physical things that they do. Like, for example, to understand a piece of seichel, for example. Right? Lahaskil something. That's an example. And also to see a physical thing. Right? In other words, while they're still ruchnius, you have to say that they are also a seer of kaya for example. That's what we were talking about yesterday. We said that unlike the plug in the wall, 
that the plug in the wall is just giving energy, right? So in other words, if I put and plug in my mix master into the wall, or I plug my phone into the wall, or I plug the light into the wall, the energy that's in the wall is going to go according to the hislapshus into the particular keli that they were plugging in. And it's going to cause that particular keli to do its function i.e. this is going to mix flour and this is going to play music and this is going to light up the room. Okay, That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is more along the lines of what I gave the example yesterday of like a different colored lights. That when they're all together, it looks like a white light. But really within that white light, you have red, orange, yellow, blue, right, etc., etc., it's all there. It's just that when, when it's in that state before it's refracted, you don't see all those different colors. All you see is a white light. But if you refract the light by putting it through a prism, all of a sudden now you're going to see the, all the colors of the rainbow. The same thing here. The neshama upstairs, before it's mislabish into a goof, is like a white light. You have if you were to look at it, you wouldn't be able to say, oh, look, there's where the Kayach is, and that's where the Kayach is, and that's where the Kayach whatever taste is, and it's the Kayach of the Seichel. You can't say that. All you see is a plain light. But really, it's there. And therefore, when it has the opportunity to be mislabish, for example, the Kayach is going to be the thing that's mislabish in the eyes, and not the Kayach The distinction is, that when it's upstairs in the neshama, it's the kayach is not shayach to seeing something that's physical, so to speak. When it's in the eyes, now it could see something that's physical. It could think something that's physical. It could be involved in the physical world. But even before, when it was upstairs, when it was in a spiritual state, it had that nitiyah to it. Albeit not be- it wasn't able to do that be'etzim. Like, it wasn't able to do that in, in actuality because it wasn't in the proper keli to express that particular uh, skill set. Let's put it that way. Are you following what I'm saying? That's what he's saying here. Take a look again. But through its enclosing in the ivarim, harahem ba'im ba'agashama. Then they come into a physical thing. Namely what? In order to cause an action that's physical. Like for example, to think about, to have an existence of something of a seichel mamish, right? Physical things. Or to see a physical thing. So that's the mushal. Now let's go back to the nimshal, the kamokain. We'll understand the same concept the way the or goes into the keli. Remember, now we're talking back again. Nimshel, right? When do we start talking about oris and kelim? After the tzimtzum. Right? Remember we talked about it. They're same thing. They're doing the same role, but they're called by different names based on where we're talking about it. Kayacha gvul and kayacha bligvul. Before the tzimtzum. Right? The Rishima and the Kav. That's at the level of the Tzimtzum. After the Tzimtzum, Oros and Kalim, or Kalim and Oros, we're doing the same order. The same idea. 
body and neshama. Same idea. You following what I'm saying? It's all the same concept. It's just called by different names if you were to take that snapshot at a different place. Right? Because what happens? Go again. So we all understand the same thing, by the way, the bakelim. That through them becoming enclosed inside the kalim. That's how they become a mitzias. And therefore, the or is going to poil according to what the keli is dictating. So who is dictating the relationship? The mekabal. Who's the Makabal? The Kaili. Yes? According to the Kaili, that's how the, the ore is going to be able to be expressed. That's why we say Hislapshus. Why Hislapshus? Hislapshus means Gilui. Hislapshus means that it's tailor made to the Kaili. Remember, I told you, Rabbi Paul Thiel says there's three rules to Hislapshus. Number one, right? Or Hislapshus and Gilui are the same thing. Number one, that there is a makabel. Number two, that the makabel is the one that's setting the rules. He's setting the standard. It's going according to the makabel. And number three, there has to be a tzimtzum on the part of wherever it's coming from. So for example, let's give a normal mashpia makabel discussion. Teacher, student. I'm teaching you. So therefore, there has to be a makabel. If I were to speak in Japanese... I can explain the best shear in the entire world. That is not called gilui. Because no one here understands Japanese. So if I decide, i.e. the mashpia is deciding how I'm going to give over the shear, right? Then you're not going to necessarily understand the shear. So then there is no gilui that's taking place. You do not understand what's going on. There's no hislapshus in your brains of the shear. If I were to explain it according to in like some very high level understanding that you have no idea what I'm talking about, also no gilui. So who has to set the determination of how the language is going to go? Dafka the makabal. If you guys were a bunch of thirteen year olds, I would have to explain myself differently than the way I'm explaining myself now. Who is setting the standard? The makabal, right? And therefore. Who has to be flexible? The mashpia. The mashpia has to be flexible. Now, this is the opposite of the idea of just the, the concept of oira shining. For example, the sun. Right? This is the opposite example of this. The opposite concept, right? What about the sun? The sun could care less if you have a sunlight or you don't have sunlight. It's not changing if it's coming through the window here or it's going on the garbage heap. That makes no difference to the sun. The sun is just doing its thing, right? That's the difference. If I'm learning for myself here in Zal, I could care less if you understand what I'm saying. So I could speak to myself in Japanese because I'm doing it for myself. It has no care that there's a makabal or not a makabal because it's not for the makabal, it's for me, right? That's the concept of one thing that's doing it for itself, right? That's the opposite of this. There's no concept here of gilui. There's no concept here of hislapshus, right? In that, the opposite example. In the example that we're giving here is dafka, the oiras are going into the kalim, they're mislabish in the kalim. Why are they mislabish in the kalim? Because the kalim is the one that's designing, is setting the standard for the relationship between the or and the kalim. You guys with me? 
Good? So let's go back and see what it says here. Namely the word, Hislabshus. The or is being mislabish in the keli. Who's setting the standard of the relationship? The keli. The makabal, right? Right? Therefore, the light is going according to the oifen of the kalim. However, the kalim wants it to be. Right? Also, the kli itself is limiting according to the expression of the or. In which way it's going to be. And meaning, how much of it's going to shine down here below? The Kaylee is the one that's deciding that. Everyone's good up until here? Yes? Now he has a Hagam. Let's see what the Hagam is. The Hagam is always a question. So we have to see what the question is. Wait a minute, he says, but we explain elsewhere. However, the light itself is expressing itself in a way of parsa. Okay, so now we introduce a new concept. The concept of the parsa. Now, what's the parsa? The parsa literally means a curtain. We also bring the idea of a na'al. Na'al is a shoe, right? Sometimes malchus, vatzil, is called a shoe, right? The concept of, like, we say, what, how do we say, um, what's the added uh, paragraph in benching in Shabbos? Ritzay. Vahachzi. Achzileinu. Ritzay, vahachzileinu, Hashem. Right? What's the hach? That's from the same word as chalitza. Chalitza means what? Remove the shoe. Remove the shoe. What's the concept? Removing the shoe means removing the limitation. On Shabbos, right? All the everything goes up. Everything, everything goes up to a higher level. Right? And we're removing the shoe, removing the, the the concept of the limitation. Here we have a different type of concept. Parsa means a parsa means a different story altogether. A parsa is not the same concept of a keli. In terms of a keli, right, the or and the keli are working together, kaviyachal, to express something. A parsa is, if you were to take, like, let's say this page of Hasidus, and you were to say, push a button, and it would jumble up all the letters on the page. You'd have exactly the same letters right after the program was run but you have no idea what it's talking about in other words what are these letters the way they are right now right now these letters are a clee because each one of these letters spells out a word the word is a clee for the or of the intellect that's going into these particular words and by understanding in other words when the rebbe had this idea in his mind he had to say over specific words in order to bring out the idea in a way that the Makabal will be able to receive it. You following so far? Right? You have to say that that's a limitation in compared to the way the Rebbe understood it in his mind. Right? But yet, it's acting as a form of communication that the Makabal, i.e. me, 
right? I should understand what it is that he's trying to bring across. <coughs> but now, if you push this program, push this button, and all the letters on the page just become all jumbled together, so now you don't have any more, you don't have the same type of gilui. You got what I'm saying? That's the difference here. So that's what he says here. But the light that's coming out afterwards is really coming through the Nal or the Parsa. Nevertheless, you have to say that the Kalim themselves are also limiting. <coughs> the hispashtus, the expression of the light. So he says there's a difference. The difference is where? We're going to say the difference is dafka in the pnimis akelim versus the chitzonis akelim. That the nishamas, their shayrish of their existence is coming from pnimis akelim. Therefore, since they're coming from Pnimis Akelim, therefore their Etzim Mohus does not wind up changing when it comes down. And therefore, a godly soul, for example, would be Elokus Mamish. Namely, what? Because it's coming from the Pnimis Aor. And therefore, it's able to get through the parsa without becoming a completely different item. What about the malachim? Right? The malachim are the angels, right? The animals in spiritual terms. They're coming from a different place. They're coming from chitzonius akelim. Obviously, there's or in that as well. But the chitzonius akelim. And therefore, what goes into the chitzonis hakelim? Obviously, the chitzonis haor, right? So here he says, There you have to say that there's a shinuya mohus. The actual thing itself changes. Because you have to say that the malachim already are mamish nivraim. They are experiencing themselves as being a mamish ayesh. Going back to our example of the words on the page, right? That would be much more like the words are all being jumbled together. So the bottom line is that you really, it's hard to see that what this letter represented before it went through the pro- computer program. When you're talking about Pnimius Akelim, i.e. the Pnimius or that's going into Pnimius Akelim, is able to break through the Parsa and is able to still remain in its essential state. I know it's a little bit confusing. But sort of just try to go with it. Namely, the Naal, which is the Parsa. The Malchus, which is the Chitzonis Akelim of Malchus. Right? Because the main limitation is coming from the Kelim. But if you were to try to take out the same ore prior to it going into the keli, it would just be infinite light. 
וגם מה שהאור מוגבל בכלל אופן המשכה שלו זהו על ידי האוסיוס הרשימה, אוקיי? even the or that's coming through at any point it's דווקא being limited by something how is it being limited? there's no such thing as the or just shining מצד the or like we said before even the or right and the keli it's all going through the kav where does the kav go through? the kav goes through the רשימה where does the Rishima go through? The Rishima then goes down into being the ore and the Kalim that comes afterwards. That's what's going on. I know this is Kabbalanese, but try to hang in there. Oh, there's what he says, right? That all this limitation came through the Kav. Because at the end of the day, that is what is limiting the ore and the Kalim. Next page on the old books. So you ask yourself a question. How could you say that the Kav is the one that's limiting? The Kav, at the end of the day, what is the Kav? The Kav is the, but remember we said the Rishima is like the Koyach HaGvul, and the Kav is like the Koyach HaBligvul. It's coming from the Or HaBligvul that came from before the Tzimtzum. So how is it possible that it becomes now, if it's infinite light, how could it now take on the role of being a ruler, so to speak, a limitation? Because why? It's nimshach from the Rishima. It comes through the Rishima, which is the Kayach HaGvul. And these are the Osios. Like it says in Zayar, that there was a, a, an engraving in the supernal purity, which is the idea of before the before the the fact that it's found in a limitation Stop. Okay, so what do we say here? We started off this discussion in the beginning of the Mimer by saying, right, because we said where are we coming from? We're coming from a discussion in the last Mimer of how Klippa exists. And Klippa is supposed to exist in a certain way. It gets a certain amount of energy and only that amount of energy and no more. That's the way it's supposed to work, this whole system. Yes? However, if there's a not enough light going through the system because of our not doing enough positive mitzvahs, or if, God forbid, we are making, doing averas, which is causing there to be a hole in the keli, it's causing the ore to go out, then the klipa has th- basically three different ifanim which it gets extra light. Number one, it gets from the ore that is falling out from the hole that was made. Number two, it gets from, because there is not enough ore going through the system, so there it's called ribuit simsumim. And number three, it's able to climb up too, because there's not enough light in the system, it's able to use the system as a ladder to get up to the makif, where it's able to get ener- special energy from. That's what we said at the last mimer. Now what we're saying is, let's understand the way the system works. And we went off now into a whole discussion about the haskala of the creation. And we said that the basic concept is that everything is being measured by something called the kav. The kav is essentially the or ain't of a bligvul. 
which is going from before the tzimtzum into the empty space that was created through the tzimtzum. However, over there, it has to go through what? In through the Rishima. The Rishima is what? The Rishima is the leftover Kayach HaGvul that was left over when the Tzimtzum happened. Why? Because, as he explained, there was a magnet. The magnet sucked up all the ore from this empty space called the, right, the, either the Eagle Agadol or the Chalal, right? These are all different names of this empty space area. When the magnet sucked up all the light and it lifted it up above, it only lifted the light i.e. the Kayach HaBligvul. But the Kayach HaGvul wound up remaining. And therefore, it winds up setting the stage for what's going to happen afterwards. That Kayach HaGvul is known as the Rishima, the leftover trace that is in the Chalal or the Eagle HaGadol, however you want to call it. Now, as we said, nothing can be created from just Kalim or Rishima. So there had to be a light that comes back in. Where is that light coming from? That light is coming from the Kayach HaBligvul that came from before the Tzimtzum. But it's now it's coming in a very limited laser beam type of way. But where is this light going to? This light has to be going to something. It's going into the Rishima. It's going back into the Rishima, into the empty space. So we asked ourselves the question, how is it possible that from a light that's Bligvul, that that's going to measure out all the things that are going to happen for the rest of the Seder Ishtashos. And the answer is that the reason why it's measuring everything out is because it's actually going through the Rishima. And between the two of them, right, working together, so to speak, it's going to measure out all the light and all the different Kalim and everything that's going to happen from here, from, from, from the times of where the Tzimtzum happened until the lowest level of this world for all of eternity. Kapish? That's the way it's supposed to work. So now that we understand the system better, we can discuss this more, and then we can get into where does the klipas, where do the klipas really fit into this whole system, and how is it that they are able to, in fact, get additional light from our averas? Because basically, we, what we need to know is what exactly are our mitzvahs doing, right? And therefore, what are our averas doing? Now, this discussion is going to go on until the middle of, in my old book, Lamed Gimel, right? And then we're going to just talk about something new. We're going to talk about the same, we're going to go through a second meditation, right? Up until here was one meditation. Then we're going to go through a second meditation, which is going to be all about how to look at everything in a much more, even more panemistic way, in terms of not just doing the mitzvahs, but really doing the mitzvahs the way they're supposed to be done and living life the way it's supposed to be done. Up until now, we've been discussing payil mamish, practical. You forgot to say shema, you didn't forget to say shema. You, God forbid a person ate something not kosher, he didn't eat something not kosher, he ate something kosher, right? Very practical. Is it this or is it that? That's been the discussion, and that's going to be the discussion until the middle of Lamed Gimel. From Lamed Gimel on, we're going to have a different discussion, and we're going to say, wait a minute, let's go deeper. How do we understand what's going on deeper? Well, if you look at Krishma Shalomita, right, you will notice these very weird paragraphs in the middle of Krishma Shalomita after we stood up and we knocked our chests from Ashamnu Aganu, all of a sudden we say that if, right, I sinned by, for example, I did not say Krishma, therefore blank. 
And if I did not put on tefillin, therefore blank, right? I'm going to deserve to be burned or I'm going to be deserved to be stoned or whatever it is. Now, obviously, if someone is saying these little paragraphs in the Kriyashma Shalamita, presumably he put on tefillin today. Presumably he said Kriyashma. That is not going to be his issue, right? In other words, anyone that's holding at such a level that he's already saying this, he's definitely put on tzitzis, right? This is the normal thing. So obviously that's not what it means. And so we have to understand in a much deeper way that when we say, what does it mean to, to say Krishma, what does it mean to put on tefillin, what does it mean to put on tzitzis, obviously it's actually a much deeper understanding of what's really going on in terms of the way we're living our lives. But we're not there yet. We'll get there soon. Okay, we'll stop here for today.